0: Amen, if you have your Bibles, would you open up to the book of Luke, chapter 13. Luke chapter 13, I trust you brought your Bibles tonight to Overdrive to young adults. It's good to bring your own Bible and follow along and take notes and highlight. How many own a Bible here? All right, wonderful. If you don't own a Bible and you need one, we'd be happy to give you one free of charge and it's brand new. All right. Anyone here want a Bible? Anyone need one? You need one, honestly? You really want one? Yeah, probably? All right. Someone just grab, can you just grab a couple? I think they want two. Wonderful. Luke chapter 13, verses 22 to 30. And he went through the cities and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Then one said to him, Lord, are there few who are saved? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know you, where you're from. Then you'll begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know you, where you are from. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and yourselves thrust out. They will come from the east and the west, from the north and the south, and sit down in the kingdom of God. And indeed, there are last who will be first, and there are first who will be last. When Jesus Christ preaches a message, it's weighty. It's full of substance It's full of life, full of understanding, it's full of wisdom, it's full of truth, it's full of reality, it's full of instruction. When Jesus Christ preaches a message, we should listen. We should open our hearts and our lives and take in his word. His words, his instruction, his heart for people. You can feel the weight of every word. Here in this portion of Scripture, we read that Jesus went through the cities and villages, and he's teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. And we draw a comparison today that today, in this time in history, across the planet, the message of Jesus is moving through cities and villages, teaching, and journeying toward the great Jerusalem. It's a message of hope and life. It's a message full of substance, full of life, full of reality, full of truth, full of wisdom, full of understanding. It's the only message that can save us. It's the only message that can set us free. It's the only message that can see us live a proper life and enter Eternity with Jesus. Jesus went through the cities and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. And one came to him, a person came to him, and said to him, Lord, are there few who are saved? The voice reads, he was pressing toward Jerusalem, his journey taking him through various towns and villages. In each one, he taught the people. Once a person asked this question, Inquiring individual. Lord, will only a few people be rescued? Imagine being there back in the day when Jesus was coming through town preaching. I wonder if people stayed home. I wonder if people listened. I wonder if they rejected the teaching. I wonder if because they didn't find anything too attractive about him, they walked away without having received the word. We look back and we would say, oh, to be there when Jesus strolled through town. What a crusade that would be. But it wasn't so. Many turned a deaf ear. Many rejected him. Lord, are there few who are saved? It's a good question. It's a viable question. The question made sense. I'm sure many, many have asked Jesus this question. I'm sure many of us have asked Jesus this question. Lord, are there only few who are saved? Or perhaps we're of the persuasion that the gates of grace are wide. The narrow way. That's what the Bible teaches. The narrow way. Inquiring individuals, Lord, are there few who are saved? And I love Jesus' response. It's so perfect and it's so pure. Luke 13, verses 23 and 24, and he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow gate, for many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. You see, Jesus puts the focus immediately on the individual, and he speaks to the inquiring individual. He speaks to the crowd. He's saying, you strive. You strive to enter. Lord, will only a few be rescued? Jesus, strive to enter through the narrow gate. You strive. You fight. You contend and struggle with difficulties and dangers. You endeavor with strenuous zeal to enter the gate. There are inquiring individuals that keep asking Jesus the question, Lord, are there few who are saved? And he keeps answering them, Strive. And they keep asking, Lord, are there few who are saved? And he keeps answering them, Strive. This crazy ongoing cycle. Many inquiring individuals never take to striving. that's where it stops they're inquiring they're asking questions and this goes beyond what we're talking about tonight because the Holy Spirit works deep inquiring individuals coming to Jesus asking questions and he's saying you strive to enter the gate let's see some zeal let's see some passion really go after it well Jesus Are only a few, and whatever the question is tonight, and his answer comes, strive. Strive to enter. Many inquiring individuals never take to striving. They can't get past the question. Maybe they feel like Jesus didn't really answer them. And so they ask again, and they get the same answer, the same response. In the kingdom, a lot of people are asking Jesus questions, and he keeps giving them the same answer. I don't know if they don't think that he answered them, or perhaps they didn't like the answer, or they're confused by the answer, but they keep asking him, and he keeps giving them the same answer. Answer. Crazy ongoing cycle. If you asked Jesus a question and he gave you an answer, would you be satisfied with his response? Would you be happy with his response? Not just like, okay, godliness with contentment is great gain, but Would you find joy in his response? We can ask Jesus a lot of questions in life. We probably ask him a lot of the same questions. And we ask him different questions. Jesus is busy, he's answering a lot of questions. Like, you think you're busy? He's working overtime. He doesn't sleep. Question after question. Have you ever had anybody that just keeps asking you the same question? Or just keeps asking you questions, period, and it's like, please stop. But Jesus is so merciful, isn't he? He just takes them. He keeps taking them. But I ask tonight, are we satisfied? And do we find joy and pleasure in his response? Whatever that is tonight, whatever questions we've been asking Jesus, are we happy with his response? When he says no, how many know his no means no? When he says yes, when he says go, when he says no, Whatever it is, are we happy? Do we find great joy and delight in his response? Luke 13, to 30, the J.B. Phillips, New Testament. So he went on his way through towns and villages, teaching as he went and making his way towards Jerusalem. Someone remarked, Lord, are only a few men to be saved? And Jesus told them, You must do your utmost to get in through the narrow door. For many, I assure you, will try to do so and will not succeed. Once the master of the house has got up and shut the door, then you may find yourselves standing outside and knocking at the door crying, Lord, please open the door for us. And he will reply to you, I don't know who you are or where you come from. But you will protest. We have had meals with you, and you taught in our streets. Yet we will say to you, I tell you, I do not know where you have come from. Be off, you scoundrels. At that time, there will be tears and bitter regret to see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets inside the kingdom of God and you yourselves excluded outside. Yes, and people will come from the east and the west and from the north and the south and take their seats in the kingdom of God. There are some at the back now it will be in the front then. And there are some in the front now who will then be far behind. Now we know that Jesus Christ is the narrow way. He is the narrow gate. Jesus Christ is the narrow door. And the word comes that we as individuals, the you and the I, strive to enter in through the gate. Personal decision to strive. And we can link up arms with brothers and sisters that too have this heart. But first and foremost, it comes to us as individuals. Jesus is saying, Your name and my name. And He's saying, Strive. Strive to enter narrow way, the narrow gate. Jesus told him, you must do your utmost to get through the narrow door, for many, I assure you, will try to do so and will not succeed. So he's telling us right now that there's going to be a lot of people, there's going to be many that try and get in. They're not going to succeed. Maybe they're trying to get in their own way, with their own agenda, their own set of rules and regulations. Maybe they just don't really get it. Maybe they're along for the wrong reasons. They're following the crowd because it's, you know, I guess it's the cool thing to do. People entering through this gate, so why not? It actually says many will try and won't succeed. And that day, the message reaches. Those people. And today the message reaches us. And I think of that day when the message, the gospel, reaches great Jerusalem and the master of the house gets up and shuts the door. Many will be standing outside knocking at the door and crying, Lord, please open the door to us. And he will reply, I don't know who you are. Where you came from. And the word tells us that there will be protest. They're going to argue. Protest. J.B. Phillips New Testament. We've had meals with you and taught. You taught in our streets. We know you, Jesus. New King James Version, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. The voice reads, just a minute. We ate and drank with you and you taught in our streets. I love what the message says, you'll protest. But we've known you all our lives, only to be interrupted with this abrupt, that is his abrupt Your kind of knowing can hardly be called knowing. You don't know the first thing about me. Wow. Wow. You ever told somebody you know somebody, and then they go ask that somebody if they know you? You Know what I'm talking about? Like you've gone to the party. Where that person was, we're talking good Christian parties, where that person was, and then you're like, yeah, I know that person, right? I know the person that's throwing the party, and then they go and ask the person that threw the party, you know that person? They're like, no idea. See, at that point, your knowing doesn't matter. Perhaps that's how it is for a lot of people. Yeah, I know Jesus. But does he know you? Does he know me? Jesus really did answer the inquiring individual that day. You see, there are many, and there will be many, that have had meals with Jesus. He's taught in their streets and they've eaten and drank in his presence. They call this knowing him. And maybe this is going to rock your world tonight. They've come to churches and had some food and drank some drink, and Jesus was there, and he taught. I guess they've had meals with him. I guess they've heard him speak. Some have known Jesus all their lives, but the question tonight is this. Can our kind of knowing truly be called Knowing. Just think about it. This goes out to every person. Just because you grow up in a Christian home and you're born on the front pew doesn't mean you're in. Just because somebody bottle fed you the scriptures from day one doesn't mean you're in. You can know the Bible inside and out and still not be in. You can have head knowledge and not be in. You can be acting out the motions and going through the part and coming in and praying and doing all the things but not be in. You can come in and drink in his presence and eat and still not be in. Jesus says strive to enter through the gate. Strive. Strive to really know me. What he's saying is it's not enough to just eat and drink in the vicinity of me. What he's saying is it's not enough to hear me speak. It's not enough to know of me all your life. It's not enough to come to church and satisfy your current situation, your need for food and drink. It's not enough. Strive to enter through the gate. Is it deep tonight? I don't know about you, but once you've gone deep, the shallows aren't for me. Strive to enter. That's what Jesus is saying to us tonight. And I do feel in this place that there are a lot of questions we've been asking Jesus. Some are the same and some are very different. It may be the very question that this inquiring individual asked. It might be something else. And he's saying to us tonight, strive. Strive to really know me. The kind of knowing that I call knowing. You know, that's, that's the important part. See, at the end of the day, we can come and protest and we can say, well, I knew you. I hung out at the same parties you did, Jesus. You know all those conferences? I was there, got the t-shirt, all the bands signed it, got pictures with them, check my Instagram. I don't know you. You mean we can go to church all our life and end up like that? That's what the word says. You can have the right heart and, you know, maybe even the right intentions. But the Bible says strive to enter. Strive. Verses 26 to 30 in the message. You'll protest, but we've known you all our lives, only to be interrupted with his abrupt. Your kind of knowing can hardly be called knowing. You don't know the first thing about me. That's when you find yourselves out in the cold, strangers to grace. You'll watch Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the prophets march into God's kingdom. You'll watch outsiders stream in from east, west, north, and south and sit down at God's table in the kingdom. And all the time you'll be outside looking in and wondering, what happened? This is the great reversal. The last in line ahead of the line and the so-called first ending up last on that day you're going to protest what happened it's like they're shocked perhaps they thought they were striving the question tonight is can our striving be called striving does jesus call it striving Our relationship with the Lord. Does he call it a relationship? You know, this doesn't happen in the young adult years, I'm sure. So, You know, when you're in junior high or elementary and you told everybody that that person was your boyfriend or your girlfriend, and then they went up and asked them, and they're like, news to me. Anybody been there? You don't have to lift up your hand. Yeah, we're close. We're tight. Or you tell, that's my best friend, and then you go ask them, and they're like, we've never hung out, never once. They kind of know about me from a distance. Like I know Jesus, he was up on this cross. and You know, you can know all about him from reading the story, but you've got to know him. It goes deeper than that. It's not just head knowledge. That's not how we get in. And the Bible's saying strive. I trust we can hear that. I hope this, you know, tonight the Holy Spirit is just yelling it inside of you and inside of me. Strive. That it's so strong. And that we would actually take to striving. Strangers to grace. How many there are that think they're intimate with grace? Outside looking in and wondering what happened. They may have a form and knowledge But is there knowing, really knowing? Jesus is walking through cities and towns. He's teaching. He's journeying, making his way. He's speaking from his heart. He's speaking to us. You know, he comes and speaks to us every time we gather in here. And he comes and he speaks to us as we open up the word, if we're Truly going after him. As we bend our knee and pray, he's speaking to us. He's teaching us. He's teaching in our streets. He's saying to us, strive. Really know me. Why wouldn't we want to really know him? That's a question that blows my mind. Why wouldn't you really want to know him? The kind of knowing he calls knowing. It's the greatest relationship. A relationship with Jesus Christ. There is nothing greater than relationship with Jesus, than knowing him and him knowing us. It's actually incredible. A lot of people just huck that relationship for other relationships, don't they? I'm not just talking about with people. But it's like, Jesus or Joe, Joe's cute. You know what I'm talking about? If I asked you what the most priceless thing in your possession was, what would you say? what would your answer be? What's your greatest treasure? The thing you would never let go of. You'd die holding on to it. What would your answer be? Would it be jewels? Leather coat? Some car? Popularity? Status, money, a girl, a guy. This might blow your mind tonight, but I love Jesus more than I love my kids. And I would pick him over them. He's everything. I don't know if we understand that, but it's that heavy. It's that serious. He's everything. I'll never let go of that. There are people that refuse to let go of that. Burned at the stake, hanging on. Sawed in half, hanging on. I've been to India, heard stories. Amazing stories. Come into a village and say to the pastor, We're coming back. When we come back, you renounce Jesus or it's your family. He stays. They come back. He refuses. They put his family in a car and light it up. Some that have been sawed in half hanging on to Jesus. Now the persecution looks different on this side of the planet. And inside there's a whole lot of amens going on, But right? It looks different, but we're being duped. We're letting go way too easy over really silly little things. We're letting go of Jesus, not to save our life. We're letting go of Jesus not to save our family from burning in a car. We're to save all the people in the church from being annihilated with AK-47s. We're letting go of Jesus for little things. Like popularity on Instagram. Like that girl. Like that guy a little less pressure, money, whatever it is. Think about it tonight. What is the most precious thing in your life? And I trust for everyone the answer is relationship with Jesus Christ. Relationship with him. Become intimate with him in his presence, in his word, and his ways. Does Jesus know us? And I know you're saying tonight that's a ridiculous question. Of course he does. But Does he know us in relationship? Not just yes, someone that shows up to Christ City or listens to worship music. It's a real good person, has a good heart, means well. But does he know us in relationship? Does he know us intimately? We can know about someone and not really know them. There are people that know about people, stars or sports players or whatever. They know everything. You ever been in a conversation with someone like that? I mean, they can tell you the shoe size the kind of socks they wear, everything. But they don't know them. They don't know them. They're not calling them up and, what's up, hanging out with them. They know about the person, but they don't know the person. Let's not have a relationship with Jesus like that. When we know about him, We know his stats. We know his plays. Like watching them. But we don't know him. And here's the crazy thing. The greatest hero, the greatest champion of all time, the most famous person of all time, invites us into relationship. That's crazy. If I asked you right now, Who would you want to meet and hang out with and be friends with? There would be a lot of crazy answers in the room, so we're not going to go around and ask. But, you know, you ask people, and it's usually like some movie star or some basketball player or some, you know, you get those kind of answers. But the greatest person of all time, the one who's on the throne, is saying, come, I want to sit with you and dine with you. I want a relationship with you. Man, if we got an invitation tonight, somebody called us up that we've just been dying to meet, like for me, it was David Wilkerson. Anyone heard of him? I wanted to meet him. He passed on. i got to meet him in glory now. That was like a dream. That was just a dream, right? I want to meet him even one time just to talk to him, ask him some questions. and Never happened. But if he would have called me up, I would have been on the next plane to New York City or wherever he was. When Jesus calls us, are we on the next plane? Even if we don't have time to pack, let's go for it. Let's have the worship team return. Greatest thing is intimate relationship with Jesus. There's nothing greater. Don't settle for eating and drinking and hearing him. Strive to really know him. The word tells us that many will be saved and many won't. That's the reality. Many will be saved and many won't. I want to end by reading Ephesians chapter 3 tonight, verses 14 to 21. Wonderful portion of Scripture. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we ask or think. That's crazy. According to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church. By Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Friends of grace. Sons and daughters of grace. Lovers of grace. Intimate with grace. Strive. Strive. The striving doesn't end until we hit glory. We don't relax. We just keep going after Jesus. There's a deeper depth of relationship with Jesus awaiting all of us. There's a closer walk awaiting all of us. It doesn't matter how long and how many years we've walked with him, how many conversations we've had, how much time we've spent with him. There's more. There's more. Let's stand tonight. God's good, isn't he? Understatement of all time. <laughs> you like those people, you're like, God's good, and you're like, he's great, right? And yeah, okay, he's great. And the battle of the G's and whatever else. There's not enough adjectives to speak of how awesome he is and great he is. So amazing that we've been welcomed into a relationship with him. and Just wanted to bring the word tonight. Just encourage every person here. I know we've got a great group here. People that are striving. People that are full of passion and zeal for Jesus Christ. And it's just a reminder tonight. Sometimes we get focused on other things and other people. And we are asking the questions like, what about this person? And, you know, what about all these people? And is Edmonton ever going to get saved? Is Canada ever going to get it? North America, is there any hope? (laughs) Whatever the question is, right? And Jesus is just saying, strive. And he's saying it to every person. And if we'd all just strive, how awesome would that be? I want to encourage you to keep going. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, keep praying, keep worshiping, keep reading the word, keep seeking God, keep serving in his house, keep speaking truth, keep standing for Jesus in the workplace and in the realms of education in this city, in this province, in this nation, wherever you find yourself this fall, keep standing for Jesus, keep shining for Jesus. Don't let go of the greatest thing that is relationship with Jesus Christ. Hang on to it. Even if it means death, Even if it means rejection, persecution, hang on to it and never let it go. He's inviting us tonight. Let's just surrender. Open up your own heart and life to him. We're going to close in prayer in just a moment. I know we're a couple minutes over here. Thank you, Lord. Just thank him for his grace tonight.